No matter who you are, we can all agree that life is way more messy and complex than anything that is shown on the media. And even though in the day that we live in, image is king and we almost worship this false image that life is is very easy to understand and all the complexities can be solved with different things such as a perfect relationship or a perfect job or perfect house or family or finances or whatever it is. We all can relate with those moments of just feeling as if we are lacking, that there is something that we want, something that we are praying for and we We are just not achieving. And in our desperation, we call out to God, no matter who you are, no matter what culture or background you're from, humans, we as humans, we call out to a source beyond ourselves in those moments when we feel like we are lacking. And so often we find ourselves in moments of our life where we are praying and praying and praying, please resolve this, please heal, please provide, please whatever it is. Each and every one of us, no matter where you're from, no matter what your upbringing or socioeconomic status, no matter what, we each will cry out in those moments when we feel like we're lacking and say, God, please, God, please. This is something about human nature that does that. There's a false belief, and it's known as prosperity gospel. And prosperity gospel teaches that if there is something that is lacking in your life, it is because of you. It is lacking because of a lack of faith or it's a lack of trust. Even though prosperity gospel teaches this false belief that if you don't have something, it's because of you, it's your fault, the Bible teaches that there could be many reasons why we lack. There could be many reasons why we don't have something that we are praying and begging God for. We could be praying for health, we can be praying for security or comfort or something, rest. And, and sometimes we can get confused of saying, God, I am calling out to you. I'm lacking. God, if you are who you say you are, provide. But yet, sometimes things do not change. And it seems to confirm that, yeah, there is no God. There is no one that is listening. And I'm left to my own. In the messiness of life, in those moments where we're lacking, we're calling out to God, yet things do not change. Where is God then? Even in the moments where we feel like we lack heavy heart, we have a God that can empathize in that because Christ himself has been there. He has been where you are. And even though it may be hard to fully wrap our head around it, the scripture teaches that Jesus Christ has walked everything that we have walked through, past, present, and future, and he can empathize with us in our weakness, yet he overcame what overcomes us. And through surrendering and saying, Lord, even though I can't see Lord, I'm looking to you in those moments. God can provide a peace. God can provide a comfort. God can provide a clarity and a soberness of thought and emotions in order for us to see what we would miss without looking to him. Heavy heart, when God does not feel generous, when God does not feel present, when God feels like he is turning a complete 180 degree turn away from where you are, even in those moments, we look to Jesus. We don't look to a self-help message. We don't look to a fix. We look to Jesus. Heavy heart, no matter what brought you here today, 
Join us as we talk about these things of where is the Lord when we feel like we are lacking and what is the hope that can be achieved even in the midst of no hope. Heavy Heart, welcome to the Color and Chaos podcast. Welcome to the Color Chaos Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I don't want to take too much time. I want to go ahead and jump into today's episode. But if you haven't yet already subscribed, feel free to do so so you can stay in tune with each and every episode that we have here on the Color and Chaos Podcast. And also, if you are listening to this podcast, please feel free to rate and review on whatever platform it is that you are partaking in this podcast. I'm a firm believer that is not by accident that you are here. This podcast exists for those that cry out and say, Lord, there has to be more than just this perpetual state of chaos where I find myself in different seasons and moments of my life. There has to be a color in this chaos. This podcast exists as a cry that there is a color in chaos when instead of leaning into the chaos through our own strength, our own ability, our own wisdom, we lean into our creator, savior, sustainer, the only one that can make us whole. So here, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll jump into today's episode. Lord God, just thank you so much that you provide a color in our chaos. Lord, thank you that you are not shocked, you are not repulsed by whatever lies in our heart, but you invite us to bring all of the complexities and the messiness and all of the death and decay within our hearts, all the questions, fears, worries, anxieties. You invite us to bring all of that to you because, Lord, you know that there is no other place that that belongs than at your feet. And so, Lord, we thank you that there is nothing that you shy away from shining a light on. And so, Lord, help us be honest with you. Holy Spirit, just please have your will and way within me and also within each and every person that is listening to this episode right now. We need you. We look to you. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are the victor when we feel so defeated. And it's in your name that we pray and we surrender. Amen. Amen. The Bible teaches that sometimes we don't have because the answer is just simply no. And it's so difficult to accept that at times because some of the things that we pray for are good things. They're not bad things. But yet sometimes the answer is just simply no. Sometimes we don't receive what it is that we're praying for and are lacking because we just don't need it as we once thought. Maybe in the moment we're saying, I need this, I need this, I need this. But God in his infinite wisdom, he knows what we truly need. And, and sometimes it takes time for us to look back and say, God, I, I was begging and I was upset and angry and bitter that I didn't have X, Y, and Z, or I didn't even just have that one thing that I was praying for, that I was begging you for. But sometimes it takes time for us to be able to look back and say, okay, God, it makes total sense why I don't have that There's this saying that says, be careful what you pray for because you might just get it. And sometimes what we pray for in the moment is something that we really earnestly want and desire. And again, we can be bitter or upset that we don't have. But yet, as time goes on, we look back and we're just saying, God, yeah, 
You knew better on that one. And sometimes we just don't have, it's because it's a mystery. There's not an answer. I don't know why. We don't know why. And we may never know why. And for me, those are the moments that's the hardest. If it's a no, it's a no. If I don't need it, then okay, in time I'll figure that out. But in those mystery moments of just like, God, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense why this person passed away or why there's this health issue or why there's this lack of resourcing or why people are starving or why there's war or why there's all these different things going on that, Lord, I know that you can intervene in, but yet you don't. And I understand the importance of us having free will. I I know all of these things. I know theologically all these things, but yet it's still sometimes a mystery of, Lord, why is this happening? Lord, why in those moments where I call out to you and I'm asking you and I'm begging you, yet we still lack. Sometimes things do not change. Sometimes in our pain, questions and agony, even in these moments, we may tune out everybody because we feel like they may not have been through what we've gone through. And in those moments, we say, maybe if you walk a mile in my shoes, then you can speak into this distress that I'm feeling. And I understand that. And there's times where I'm there as well. Though in all of these moments when we don't have an answer for why we are lacking and God has not provided in the way that we desire for him to provide, in all of these moments, there may not be a person on this earth that can fully relate with what you may be feeling. There is a person that can, and his name is Jesus. That moment of you feeling like you are lacking The Bible teaches that Jesus understands and empathizes with us in our weakness because he's been through everything that we have gone through, yet he was without sin. Jesus knows what it feels like to be completely alone and abandoned by the Father. And we see this play out in the garden and through the crucifixion. We see Jesus on the cross. He cries out. He says, Father, why have you forsaken me? We know that Jesus empathizes with having someone die and the pain that led him to weep. Jesus, fully God and fully human, he can empathize with us in our weakness, yet he was without sin. There's a passage in the scripture that I want to highlight as we're just talking about this reality of the messiness of life, that there are moments where we have these longings within us that we feel like are not being fulfilled. And in those moments when we cry out to the Lord, Lord, why is this not changing? Even in those moments, there is a beauty that could be found in the midst of that when instead of looking to what is not changing, we look to what will change. And what will change is that there will be a day where we are no longer in this sin and brokenness that we find ourselves enslaved to and the death and the decay that each of those things bring. And so this is what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. He says this, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. For all of creation, that is you and me, no matter where you're from, no matter where you're at, is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. So how do we become children of God? The Bible teaches that we become children of God when we accept the invitation that has been extended to us through Jesus, through what he accomplished on the cross. What did he do on the cross? He died for our injustice towards a holy, just 
God. In order for there to be justice, there has to be a consequence for affliction. And the consequence for affliction was death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So Jesus took upon your death, my death, your sin, my sin, upon his shoulders, and yet he knew no sin in the sense that he did not sin himself. He became sin for you and for me. And so when we accept his invitation to come to him through faith, not through works, not through anything that we can do or anything that we have not done, it's simply through crying out to him through faith, saying, Lord, I can't, but you can, and you have, and my life is yours. When we cry out to the Lord in faith, then the Bible says that we receive his spirit, the same spirit that rose him from the dead. And so we join him in newness of life and we are adopted into his family. And so he says that all of creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Verse 20, against his will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. What is God's curse? We continue, and it says this, But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So God's curse is death and decay because of our abandonment from God in the garden through Adam and Eve. And so that was the curse. The curse is death. But through Christ, through being adopted as children into his family, we no longer subjected to that curse. But yet, even though our identities are no longer wrapped around sin and death and that we will live forever in the presence of our God, we still are under God's curse here on this planet that is broken, dying, and going to one day be destroyed. And so he says that we are all looking forward to the freedom that we will have from that curse that is death and decay. Verse 22, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up into the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having and call them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So within this, in those moments when we're crying out to God and we're saying, God, why is this not changing? These things that I'm longing for, why has it not changed? God, why are you not answering? Why does it feel like you're not listening to me? We can rest assured that even in those moments, that God's will will prevail. In that moment, when we lay down our will, we are able to rest in a confidence 
and to have a patience that, Lord, even though it doesn't make sense and I don't understand why, Lord, I am going to wait patiently knowing that your will is beautiful and that all things work out for the good of those who are called in accordance to your plan and your purpose. And so when we trade our will for God's will, it changes the way that we look at our circumstances and the chaos that each and every one of us is subjected to. At the end of the day, sometimes it's hard to look to Jesus when we are sick, broken, lonely, starving. But in that, may we cry out to God saying, Father, please help me. Just take my attention off of my brokenness for a moment and fix it upon you so that I can be able to have a humbled heart that rests upon you, the suffering servant, knowing, Lord, that you know my brokenness. You are angry about the things that are breaking my heart because you know this was not the way that it was supposed to be. God, you are even more upset and angry at sin than each and every one of us can be put together collectively. And in the midst of all these longings that are unfulfilled within my life, Lord, I look to you knowing that you are the fulfillment. Sometimes we don't get what we pray for. Sometimes we don't have an answer to why what we pray for did not happen. Because instead of fixing our eyes upon what it was that we wanted to be fixed, we need to fix our eyes upon the one thing that nothing can still kill or destroy, and that is Jesus and what's done for us on the cross. When we look to the things of this world, then of course we're going to be disappointed when the things of this world does not go the way that we desire in our will. But when we trade the things of this world and our will for the things of the kingdom of God and of heaven and Jesus himself, then our emotions, our thoughts, everything changes. And it also puts a burden within our heart to be his hands, to be his feet, and to say, no, my heart is broken for what breaks your heart. And I don't want to see the things that seem like they won't change, such as poverty or such as just different wars and difficulties and angers and frustration and sin and selfishness. I don't want to look at that anymore. I want to be the change. And when we fix our eyes upon Jesus, it propels us to no longer just be upset and bitter at God saying, God, why didn't you do anything about this? Why did this not change? But instead we say, Lord, bring that change through me. And may as I go, I know that any change that I'm able to afflict upon this broken world It only came through your power at work within me and through me. So all glory goes to you. It doesn't go to me. I don't need my photo in a newsletter of fixing an issue or or donating amount of money in order for this to happen. Glory doesn't need to be going to me because why, Lord, I know that I am nothing apart from you. Anything good within me is because of you. It's because of your grace, your mercy, your love, your forgiveness. Because of what you've done on the cross, everything gets flipped on his head when we look to Jesus. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim and we can be the change. So yes, sometimes things will not change. 
But we don't know what will not change and what will change. So we are called to go into it with a faith saying, Lord, you can do. And even if you do not do, Lord, you are still good. And when we've been broken to the point that we are able to see God's goodness in the midst of our pain and hurt and questions and doubts and confusions, the things of this earth just gets flipped on its head and we're able to live life radically and say, Lord, use me to be the change. Sometimes things may not change but they could. And so we bring our heart, we bring our prayers, our petitions to the God who is able to do immeasurably more than anything we can ask or imagine according to his plan and his purpose and his timing. And we come boldly through the throne and surrender saying, Lord, not my will be done, but may your will be done and help my will align with your will so that I'm able to see things as you see it and help me accept the things that I cannot change. But Lord, for the things that can be changed, Lord, may you use me in order to bring upon your will upon this broken world. And this goes along with what is written in Philippians chapter four, verse six to verse eight. And this is what Paul says to the Philippian church. He says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will be able to experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read this again. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. That means even when we've prayed a thousand times, instead of us getting angry and bitter at God saying, God, why didn't you do what I asked for? In surrender, we can come to God's throne again and say, Lord, I'm no longer going to be angry and upset about what I feel like you have not done but instead, I'm going to trust that you hear me and I'm going to trust that you have a plan and purpose. And so, Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm praying. I'm asking you what you ask me to do, and that is to bring my needs to you. And I'm going to thank you for whatever you have done and whatever you will do, even if it isn't what I thought or wanted you to do. Lord, I know that you are working all things out for the good of those that you have called and you have called me to you. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. We're able to not have a bitterness and a hardness of heart, when we go to the Lord and we're saying, Lord, give me a peace that you know what you're doing, even when I do not. And Lord, it doesn't need to make sense. There are things that are going to be a mystery. And it's okay for me to be upset and angry about what has transpired. Because I know any upset and angry feeling that I feel, Lord, you are even more upset and angry than I am. 
And yes, I know in those moments we can cry out to God saying, God, why are you upset and angry? You could have done something about it. But that's where the mystery of God's will is, is, is a mind bomb. We already have acknowledged that we live in a broken world. And just like that parable that Jesus talked about in, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 to 43, where he talks about the parable of the kingdom of God being like a farmer and the enemy comes to plant weeds in the midst of wheat. And the person goes to the farmer and says, do you want me to pull out the weeds? And God says, no, because if you pull out the weeds, you may also pull out the wheat. Wait until the appropriate time of the harvest, and then we will be able to separate the wheat from the weeds. And we'll be able to do it without harming the wheat. Likewise, sometimes we're like that person that goes to the farmer, and we're saying, God, why don't you do something about these weeds? And God's saying, look, I will, I will. That is what Paul is writing. He's writing that in the passage in Romans, and he's writing that in the passage here in Philippians. We look forward to the future hope that we have, that God will work all things out. We look forward to the future hope that one day all of this brokenness will end. (laughs) One day we won't have to have these prayers that are unanswered. We won't have to have all these questions, but we'll be able to rest knowing God I am no longer under this haze of brokenness, but I am fully made whole in your presence. And Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That even when I was faithless, you were faithful. That is what we look forward to. So until that day, we don't need to worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will be able to experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on verse eight. Paul says this, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely and admirable. Think about such things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. If you are struggling saying, God, I don't know what is true. I don't know what's honorable. I don't know what's right, pure, lovely, admirable in this brokenness and this 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 weight of a shadow of hell that I feel like I'm in, in these unmet prayers and these longings that I have that are unfulfilled God, I don't know what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. I don't know what it is. If you don't know what it is, the easiest way for us to be able to take a next step is to instead trying to decipher what is true, honorable, right, pure, all that stuff. We instead look to Jesus because he is the fulfillment of all those things. And as we look to Jesus, he will help us see the truth, the purity, what's right, admirable, lovely. We don't have to be detectives. We just look to the one. We look to the one that we are called to fix our eyes upon, who is the fulfillment of everything that we lack and we need. If you don't know what to look to in the midst of this chaos, look to Jesus. As the book of Hebrews says, he's the author and the perfecter of this faith. 
And yes, I know everything that I talked about. Sometimes it sounds too good to be true. Sometimes the Bible and, and the story of Jesus and the invitation to come to him and that he will give you a peace. He will give you a restored relationship with your creator, savior, sustainer that you long for and, and, and you cannot find apart from him. It sounds too flowery. It sounds too good to be true. And sometimes the different contrast that we see within the scripture and we see within our own hearts Sometimes that can cause us to overlook and ignore the truths and the simplicity that just even having a mustard seed of faith, crying out to God, saying, God, if you could do something in my life, it's yours. Reveal yourself to me. Show me who you are. Even a mustard seed of faith is enough to move the mountain of a hardened heart towards a holy God. We make it harder than what it needs to be. But he literally says, come to me, all who are broken and heavy in heart, and I will give you rest. May we not be on the outside looking in, but may we step into the throne room of grace and mercy through surrender and humility as the children that we are. I want to end with this quote from a pastor in Oklahoma. His name is Greg Crochelle, and he says this, when things are uncertain, the things that matter most become clear heavy heart, in the uncertainty of what we feel, when things are not changing, and the longings that we have are unfulfilled. May the God who loves you, who cares, who has a plan and purpose become even more clear than ever before. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that in your mercy, You provide us a hope. You provide us a future. You provide us a grace and a compassion that is needed in order for us to lift our weary and heavy heads and fix our eyes upon the compassionate, loving, kind God. Jesus, thank you that you died for us while we were still sinners. Lord, we do not deserve you. As Romans chapter five talks about, we have undeserved privilege to be called your children and to be adopted into your family. But Lord, may this love that you've extended upon us propel our hearts to be the change. Lord, I pray for those right now that are watching or listening this, Lord, that you will return to them a joy a peace that surpasses all understanding. And Lord, may they know that you are there, that you care, and that you will work all things out for the good of those who are called according to your purpose. Lord, help us. Help us be honest with you, with our pains, with our hurts, with our frustration, our anger. And may we know that you grieve with us. But Lord, your hands are faithful to hold us and sustain us through the darkest of nights. Jesus, we look to you. Move our hearts to compassion and move our hearts to surrender. It's in your name we pray and we surrender and we thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I have asked, are you even there? I have cried. Do you 
I called out your name in the middle of the storm. You seem to fall silent once again. I screamed out, "Would you rescue me?" God, I lost the battle. I was broken on my knees. I called out for help in the middle of the night, hoping that you'd take my pain away. Yet this I've known that you are good. I'm loved by you. God, you are good, and I'm loved by you. In the silence, you were holding me. You'll be. Circumstances that I see, you didn't stop the storm. You never caused me harm. You have always been here with me. Oh, this I know that you are good. And I'm loved by you. God, you are good. And I'm loved by you. Yes, I'm loved by you.
got you alone, I'll worry to be.